0: Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country
1: as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions
0: that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. This is Adam Bordeman with The Ministry Collaborative, and I'm pleased to welcome our guest today, Kathy Escobar. She is the co-pastor at The Refuge in North Denver. She's a self-described community cultivator and has a lot of ways of exhibiting that we're going to talk about. She's a writer, speaker, facilitator, a lot of other cool things. Kathy, thanks for being with us. It's
1: great to hang out with you today.
0: Kathy, I just described you with some big umbrella terms. Could you say a little bit more about the different hats that you wear and roles that you play in ministry in North Denver and beyond?
1: Sure, I mean, my work has been over many, many years, really all roads lead to community cultivator. So just cultivating community in the refuge, which is the faith community that I co-founded. We're 16 years old, April 1st and many, many groups, but also cultivating community across groups Mm -hmm. where people can collaborate better together for common causes. And I'm really trying to create safe and brave spaces for transformation and healing really in any venue. I'm a big fan of small and that there's something that happens when we can create a container for people to grow, learn, be challenged, move to action, and somehow be together.
0: Several months ago, I was introduced to you through our mutual friend, Susan Rogers, and Susan recommended you to do some work with us with the Ministry Collaborative and facilitate. I'm really excited about all of that. And I, when Susan said that, I realized I'd heard your name before, and I thought, I know this Kathy Escobar somehow. And then I realized that you've done quite a bit of writing as well, and I'd come across some of it on the web. And otherwise, could you share a little bit about your vocation as a writer and um, type of projects you've been working on?
1: Yeah, so it is always interesting because some people write to write like that's their passion. And well, I enjoy it. I really write to cultivate community and um, provide tools for people. And so I have quite a few projects over time, but. Sort of my passion, you know, the first solo project I did was called Down We Go, Living Into the Wild Ways of Jesus. And it really was about cultivating alternative communities that could embody some practices based on the Beatitudes. So that was a long time ago. That project came out. It's going on 12 years ago. And then a lot of my work has been in faith deconstruction and people who really grew up in rigid systems, led in rigid systems, and just something really shifted for them. They were like, something's not right here for me at this stage in terms of really living out my faith and have faith crises. And helping them navigate that. So, that book's called Faith Shift, and that came out in 2014. And it's an interesting thing in this conversation because a lot of people, like since I started writing about that in 2008 or so, I mean, it's picked up a lot of speed. And there's a lot of people really losing it all and kind of reimagining everything. And then my latest project came out in 2020, right before covid and it's called practicing changing yourself to change the world and it's 10 practices that are really centered on change starts with us and we need some framework to navigate moving in the world a little better. And so there are 10 actions. So the reason why I fleshed each of those out is the same thread goes through them. And that is my passion, is somehow bringing stuff to people that they can engage with in small pockets to talk about, have conversations about, and then all of them include practices. Like to meet head knowledge, the world doesn't need much more of that, but it does need inspiration and it needs 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 practical. Like what does this actually mean in my real life and in our groups? So my favorite thing is when groups do things together and then they have a shared experience and figure out how to apply that to their context.
0: Kathy, I know that your book practicing was an extraordinary time because it was right before the pandemic and also shortly after your son passed. And I'm wondering if you could talk about how that context shaped that project or shaped your involvement with it.
1: Well, it was a really rough one, I will tell you, because I have five kids, four living, and they are all young adults. And so I have been pastoring forever, about full-time pastoring for 18 years. And so I finally was an empty nester and so kind of ready to pull some things together. And this project felt like kind of everything integrated into one place. So I'm really excited about it. And the ten, I just like to say the 10 practices out loud because I really love them. And they are healing and listening, loving, including, equalizing, advocating, mourning failing, resting, and celebrating. And so on the day my son died in October of 2018 was a day that I, that morning, I was talking about the ways to get this to people and to groups. And so then, of course, our whole world crashed and I had to actually change it because it was in production and it would have gone out to the world without the reality of that pain. And The mourning chapters I've mourned, I've had loss in my life, but of course, nothing as devastating as the worst possible thing for a parent. And what kind of happened with it though, is that it helped me relook at it. And I'm grateful that my publisher let us do that because at least it went out to the world with some degree of truth and. It helped me relook at it and go, gosh, I love what's in there, and each one could be, you know, its own thing. But there was something about having it in its place. The pandemic made it hard. I mean, everything got canceled. I remember we did a Zoom event just a little bit after it came back because Zoom started, and I decided to add one more chapter in my brain, and it was the practice of paradoxing that holding all the stuff in the same place at the same time in the human experience and in communities, especially with the global trauma mm. is an art. And one that as Christians on the whole churches as a whole and humans on the whole, we're not that good at holding a bunch of hard stuff in the same place. We want to squeeze it out. We want just the good and we want the bad to pass as fast as possible. I'm glad it's in the world and it's been weird.
0: Kathy, how have you seen that book in particular take root in people's lives?
1: I think hearing stories of the areas that people really connect to. I mean, lots of people connect to different tangible tools. There's a lot of practices. There's group discussion questions and things. The best part for me is when a group gets in touch and says, hey, we've been navigating it together. Mm -hmm. Our church has been talking about it. Our community group has been reading it and processing it. Our pastor did a sermon series. For me, it's not that individual growth isn't good, but there's something about the juice that happens when people are kind of going, hey, this is what that means for me, or what could this look like for our community to be people that did better at the practice of mourning together or failing and talking about failure more openly and then of course related to including and equalizing issues of anti-racism and all the isms and all the supremacies there's a lot in there about not just white supremacy but also christian supremacy male supremacy able-bodied supremacy you know a lot of things that when i hear those stories about people engaging into those conversations in a way that feels accessible to them Mm and applying it to their group, that's super encouraging to me.
0: Kathy, shifting gears a little bit, our team and really our network nationwide has been having a conversation, especially in recent weeks, but really over the course of the last few years around vocational discernment, two words that I think are interpreted in as many ways as there are people interpreting it. But you wear, as I said earlier, you wear a lot of different hats and you've found quite a range of ways to invest yourself in the lives of others and in ministry so when i say vocational discernment what does that mean for you and what's been your experience with discerning your sense of calling
1: i mean it's shifted for sure i came from the evangelical tradition conservative evangelical tradition so being a female pastor I would say, has had its uphill battles, okay, over the years. So it hasn't in the refuge. I mean, I co-founded and co-pastored it. So we created a place (laughs) where it wasn't an issue. But in terms of the discernment part, for me personally, it was just listening to what I love to do. I mean, it's that simple. And so the complicated part are the systems on how to do that. And so listening to the call and then actually finding the people the support the resources the place the sustainability all of that to me is part of vocational long-haul discernment and i think so many people are in such a hard place right now on this because the church is upside down and all around and fragmented and weird and you know all the rules have changed all the rules have changed and so it's super confusing it's been clarifying for me because The dream of the refuge is a dream come true Mm. but then some of it has been to help other people be able to find their way and i'm sad to say that a lot of times the discernment at least for some women for sure but i know a lot of male pastors too is just like you got to find do your gig in some other way because it's not going to work in the systems that we were part of anymore it was just too tiring and people are really exhausted so that discernment has to come from, can I actually keep doing this? And what do I need to change in order to make it last? And how do I get back to a little more ease and a little more love for the simplicity of what we're sort of all built to?
0: Yeah. And you just hinted at this in a couple of ways, but I'm wondering if you could go a little deeper on, as you look at the church or ministry systems in general, and if you're using a broad brushstroke, what are you most concerned about?
1: So I am most concerned about continually attempting to put new wine in old wine skins over and over and over and over again. And honestly, just having a lack of imagination. I mean, this is supposed to be literally the most creative, innovative, free, ahead of the curve group of people, if we're really honest about who we're supposed to be following. (laughs) And we just lack that. So I am very concerned. The pandemic was very troubling to me because I literally thought I'm a hopeful person on the whole. Despite the hard things in my story, I still have hope despite the horrible things I've seen in churches. And I hold space for a lot of wounded leaders. And so we have a class called Walking Wounded, um, hope and healing for people who have been hurt by church and ministry. And it's intense, it's really hard, but it's really good because it's beautiful people who got harmed. So that's kind of my work. So I had hope, I was like, this is gonna really shake things up around here Mm -hmm. and the pandemic's gonna do it. And I'm sorry, it just didn't in my opinion. If I saw one more exact online service pitched on a Sunday morning with a video camera in an empty room and that's all that happened in a week, That was very discouraging to me personally. So I am very concerned because this was a big chance to do something different. And I'm not saying everyone didn't try some innovative things, but the minute it can pop back, it's like path of least resistance, and that is very disappointing to me. I get riled up about this, Adam. Well, no, (laughs) and I
0: totally agree. I mean, I could have repeated everything you just said. I think that that's been huge learning, even for our staff and our network as a whole, is that I think that we were wrong. Some of our expectations for what could happen uh, were wrong, and we need to learn from that and why that is. And not just be cynical about it, but to pay attention to it and to ask better questions. So I'm wondering, in light of that, on the other side, what inspires you? What are you seeing that keeps you hopeful?
1: I think innovation, because I agree with you. I mean, there's lots of people like really beautiful things have emerged where we are the refuge you know we're 16 and so we're super connected to the wider networks I mean we've really committed ourselves to show up there with government agencies and the other nonprofits and the other faith communities over the long haul and so that's been really encouraging to me because we really leaned on that strength but on the bigger story I think people also during the season as we come out are going wow I don't think we can last if we don't change we tried and it's not working and so i am super hopeful about that and that everyone's going we need to make new friends we need to dream a little bit more and we need to try new things and then the other thing that always inspires me is just small like little small pockets Mm. of something new and like experiments like let's just try this together let's just pop this up and see what happens and I always call it science experiments let's just do a science experiment and then evaluate it and I feel like some people are a little bit more game to do that now some of those I think have a lot of new potential and so that always gives me hope for sure and then lastly I'll just see like people who really said they were done for lots of reasons related to faith systems, who are still trying to be part and serve and do social action has been really hopeful to me because it's kind of all still happening. Even if people aren't in facilities, people are still doing amazing things.
0: I'm thinking about the next three years and I'm wondering what's your message to your ministry colleagues around the country for the next three years, if you had a couple of headlines?
1: I would say, lean on each other like we really do need each other be brave because life is fragile and short and it's probably worth being a little bit more brave if we can if we can and find the flow like find juice find ease find Good, like everything doesn't have to be so hard all the time. That's maybe the summary. Everything doesn't have to be that hard all the time. <laughs> but I also understand ministry is hard. I mean, we work, we work in hard places, life and death stuff all the time, but we do find ways to make it easier. And that is some because of team and sharing, whatever. So everyone's thing is different, but find ways to make it easier and more life giving. And
0: what's a text or a story from scripture that's sort of kept you going?
1: I always draw back on way back, way back old school, Isaiah 61, you know, that whole passage has always just been a really big one for me of just out of the ashes, out of brokenness, out of the worst possible things, beauty emerges and freedom and liberation. So I draw back on that plus just add in the Beatitudes and sometimes that's almost enough for me.
0: As we wrap up today, I want to make sure our listeners know that if you want to follow up with Kathy, there are ways to do that, including through the TMC website, as Kathy will be running some programs for us. Kathy, thanks so much for this really rich conversation. Blessings to you and the work that you have ahead of you.
1: Thanks so much. It's fun being with you all. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation.
0: The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations
1: committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities.
0: Our producer is Marthane Sanders.
1: To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that
0: makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.